Are you ready for God's word? Amen. Amen. Yes, we should be ready for God's word. And, and uh, the reason I brought that up is how it relates to prophecy, because this is what happens when you see how things are laying out and how God's word is being fulfilled, it should increase your faith. And it will increase your faith, because at the end of the day, you can't help but have your faith increased when you realize, wow, everything that's taking place and things are happening so quickly and the world is changing so fast, so rapidly, that you need to be mindful of what's happening and as you're mindful of it and you see how it relates to God's word and, and Jesus' prophecies are actually being fulfilled, then it will keep you focused. Because how many of us know um, it's human nature, we have the tendency to forget and get distracted. Anyone else in the room forget and get distracted? Oh yeah, that's what happens, you know, and it's, it's, it's important that when we read God's word that we not think, oh yeah, those people, those people. It's important for us to not read God's word and say, yeah, God's word's pretty good, but it's a story of what happened. Yes uh, and no. A better way of putting it, it's not just the story of what happened, it's a story of what always happens. What always happens, and what always happens is we forget the Lord. And so when you're when you're studying prophecy and you're looking at current events and you're reading God's word and applying it to your current day life, then you're going to stay focused. Amen. And so that's my hope for you is that you would be focused. Now, I got a couple of more things as we get started. Uh, I want to remind you we've been talking about family. We conclude next week. So I don't want you to miss next week because next week is going to be the most powerful of all. This is the second most powerful one of all. And I just feel like that's what God has put on my heart. He's just really given me an excitement for it. But how many, uh, is there any, is there a family here, family of three, that has not seen um, the movie uh, Sound of Freedom and could go tonight at eight, eight something, the eight something showing? If you can, come see me after the service. I have tickets for you. Someone donated them, handed them to me before I got up here. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll figure out. We'll figure out who needs them. Now, the family series that we've been talking about, I want to remind you that God wants to bless you. God definitely wants to bless your family. You don't have to wonder about that because so many times we think to ourselves, I wonder if God really loves me. Hey, you can put that to bed. God loves you. How do you know, Pastor? Because his word says it. And he never lies. Never lies. So if he says he loves you, guess what? He loves you. Now, you might be feeling shame. And that shame comes from something you did. That shame is something you need to take to God. But don't put that on him. He loves you. And he doesn't go back on his word, okay? Now, something else you need to remember is God has good plans for you. The Bible says it this way. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? Now, notice what it says and what it doesn't say. It says God's plans, not your plans. How many of us say, well, pastor, if God has such great plans for me, then why aren't things going the way I'd like? Maybe that's the problem. You're liking too much. It's about you rather than about God. Because if you read that verse, it says, for I know the, meaning God's plans, not our plans. 
Amen? See, so many times we think, but, but Lord, if you would just do this, and I have this plan, if you would just get with the program and bless it already, right? Put your juice on it. Put your, put your special spice on it. Do what you do, God, because it's awesome, and I've been thinking about this for years. I just need you to get with the program, God, you know? And so um, I want to remind you what the prophet says. In the Proverbs, the Bible says, many are the plans in a man's heart. Think about this with me. Many are the plans in a man's heart. What does that mean? That means God made you creative. Why? Because you reflect his image. And he is a creative God, meaning you can dream up plans all day long. And you can get really elaborate with them, and you can envision them, and you can have all these things that your heart desires. But listen to what the Bible says. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's purpose that prevails. Because there is a way that seems right to man. There is a plan that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to destruction. And so God is saying, I need you to have my plans for you. I need you to let me shape your heart. Because at the end of the day, God should determine our destiny. God should determine our destiny. Now before I go any further, I want to I let you know this. When I was a young man coming out of college, I worked for a big company. And this big company sent me to all kinds of sales training, uh, executive training. They, just, they were sending us to training all the time. And uh, I also got to see some of the best motivational speakers there were uh, on the face of the earth. Uh, actually, let me take that back. The best motivational speakers I've ever heard are pastors. But in the secular world, they sent me to see uh, Brian Tracy. Anyone ever see Brian Tracy? Now, that's, he's super old. Yeah, I'm sorry, because he was older when I was, when I was young, like 20. But how many of you remember Zig Ziglar? Zig Ziglar, I, I got to see him, and I got to see, I, I know you know this guy, because he's still around, Tony Robbins. Anthony Robbins is still around, you know, doing his thing, and Peter Lowe, and all these guys, and they always would say something like this. They'd always say something like, what I'm going to share with you is not going to be earth-shattering. Meaning it's not anything you may not have heard before. But the truth is, it's something we need to be reminded of. May not be earth shattering, but we need to be reminded of. And for many of you, you will have heard this advice before, but when I remind you of it, it will resonate and you will say yes. It will resonate with you. For 99% of you, and for those 99 that it resonates with, you will have big plans to implement, but won't. And only 1% that it resonates with will actually implement. And you know what I find interesting? That same warning or same caveat or same declaration holds true for this message. I'm about to share with you one of the most profound messages to level up your family, to take your family to the next level, to unlock God's potential, to do amazing things. And for 99%, you'll say, yes, we've heard this before. And yes, this is wonderful. And, uh, and won't do anything about it. The other 1% will say, yes, this is wonderful. I've heard it before, but I'm going to do something and actually will. My hope is that the entire church would say, no, this is the day everything changes. I want the secret to, to, to living that abundant life that Jesus came to give, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. How about you? 
Who, do you, who are you today? Are you the 1% or the 99? I hope you're the 1% and that we change things here because I want you to know God wants to bless our families and yes, our, yet our families are not being blessed. Let's just be honest. Many families are struggling. Day to day, they're on a sinking ship and they're getting desperate. They feel like they're out at sea. The, the ship is on fire or it's dead in the water. There's no one around and there's no hope in sight. And so they're desperately sending out an SOS. Now, what's an SOS? Because today we've entitled the message Family SOS. SOS is Morse code, dashes and dots, saying, save our ship. How about this? Save our souls. Save our souls. It's been said, that's what it stands for. And the truth is we're tapping and tapping and tapping, and yet God has sent his own SOS. It's called the Sermon of Sermons, and it's found in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the Sermon of Sermons. And there you have the secret to life, the secret to abundant life. After all, Jesus said, I come to what? I come that you might have and live it in the most abundant way possible. Now, who are you, Jesus, to tell me how to live? Uh, your creator? Right? That's, Jesus knew a little something about life. He was the author, the Bible says, and the finisher of life. From start to end, he's all about life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, if anybody be in him, he shall have New life, right? The light of life. And so Jesus tells us the secret of life. Are you ready for it? Because if you're ready for it, it's right there in the Sermon on the Mount. Turn to chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to have it right up here. If you're taking notes, write down chapter 6. Now he emphasizes the secret to abundant life, not once, not twice, but three times. Can you see Jesus walking around going? Three, baby, three. Not once, not twice, but three times I've given you this point. Is anyone listening? Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds or your charitable giving before men to be seen by them. So in other words, don't, don't try to get attention when you give to the poor, or when you do something kind, when you do something charitable. Now watch this. Otherwise, you will have no reward. Now, a couple of things I want to highlight. He's going to use the word reward, and then he's going to use um, this idea of where you can encounter God. So I want you to highlight that in your, in your heart. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Okay? So he's in heaven. But watch this. Therefore, when you do charitable giving or deeds, do not sound a trumpet before do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in what? secret, and your father who sees in secret 
will himself reward you openly. Here we go. We go to prayer now. So he's talking about giving charitable deeds. Now he's talking about prayer. He says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your, what? Room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father. Watch that. Who is in the, hello, Did you get that? He's in heaven, but he's also in the, he's in the secret place. Now notice what the Bible is saying. Okay, let me keep reading. Let me finish the the passage and then we'll go back and and talk about it. And your father who sees in secret will, will, will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Come on, some of us come from a background where we've been used to recite prayers and to say them over and over and over. Jesus just told you, don't do that. Why shouldn't you do that? Because you're trying to establish an intimate relationship. And when you establish an intimate relationship, you have to share your heart, not a, resist, not a, a something that you recite. Now think about this with me for a second. It's very logical. Let's say I go to Melissa and every day I say the same thing to her. She's going to look at me sooner or later and go, "Uh, dude, this ain't working. Like you got to talk to me. Yeah, I want to hear your heart. I want you to hear my heart. Now I'm not putting down your background. I'm just saying we have to have our tradition line up to the word of God. Not my tradition, God's word. And God's word just said, don't do just repetition over and over. You need to pray to your God in the secret place. But watch what else he says. God is in the secret place. And watch, where do you meet with God? In the secret place. And watch what it says. When you pray, not if you pray. Hello, someone needs to say, wow. Not if I pray. Not when I get around to praying. Not if times get tough in case you pray. In case you need to pray. No, when you pray. Because Christians, come on, let me say that again. Christians, Christians, why do they pray? Because they love their God. And they want a relationship with their God. But I don't love him that much. Then you might not be with him in the end. Do do you hear me? You say, well, how do I develop this relationship? How do I develop this love with him? you got to spend time with him. And the more you get to know him, I promise you, you'll love him. Because he is exquisite. And he's the most beautiful thing I know. Person I know. He's a person. He's the most beautiful person I know. He's everything to me. That secret place is where we meet. Now, I want you to ask yourself, where is your secret place? As you're thinking about where your secret place is, I'm going to read the last passage where he emphasized it once, twice, three times. Watch this. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to man to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your father who is in the secret place. Watch this. And your father 
who is in the secret place sees in secret. What does that mean? It means he's in that secret place and he sees the secret place of your heart. He sees your heart. He knows and he will reward you openly. Come on, can I get an amen? This is the key to life. Spending time with God in the secret place. You know what I find so interesting? This generation, more than any generation, is seeking spiritual uh, significance. And they're reaching out and they're trying crystals and they're trying sage and they're trying this and they're trying that and they're constantly dabbling with this. And you have the power of Almighty God. The problem is you don't ever exercise going into the secret place. Just go to the secret. You go, but where is my secret place? Okay, think about it. It could be in your vehicle on the way to work. It could be early in the morning on the deck. It could be with a cup of coffee walking on the street. It could be there in your bedroom, in your closet. It could be in that private place. Now, I want you to picture that place. Now, I want you to ask yourself, how often do I meet with God there? And based on that... I want you to picture it's either clean and beautiful or has cobwebs and it's run down and dust everywhere. Only you can answer that. Now, now you, can, you can give a bogus answer, but God sees in secret. So he already knows. Or you can be real with yourself and say, Lord, I need to get in the secret place. Come on, how would you feel if you were meeting someone and they stood you up? For many of us, God is meeting with us in the secret place, but we don't show up. I just want us to get a picture of, of, of what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, you need to encounter the living God, the host of heaven's armies, the one who speaks and stars leap into existence, that commands the armies of angels in heaven, the one is that, that is above the highest heavens, the one that knows all and has all power. He wants to meet with you because he knows the plans he has for you and their plans to bless you, plans to prosper you, plans to have your... Now, I'm, I'm going to share more about this in next message. Next message, message is going to be off the hook. So you got to show up. But that's, that's, about, that's about Abraham. Now, you want your family to go to the next level? I'm going to show you how this SOS message takes your family to the next level. And it's exactly what Abraham did. He developed intimacy with God in the secret place. Because, because I want you to understand this. What you put in uh, determines what you put out. That means your intake, it really does affect your outcome. Let me put it to you another way. Your decisions do matter when it comes to your destiny. Let me put, put it another way. Your diet does determine your destiny. It does. You know, this is, this is a concept that I'm having trouble with. Because over the last year or so, I've gained like 20 pounds. And I'm used to walking around, actually 30 pounds. Wow, I didn't even realize that. I'm used to walking around at 189. But I'm blaming it on the knee. I've got this little knee problem. 
And I'm blaming it on being 50, because when you're 50, things slow down. Like, they do slow down. And I still eat like a young man. I mean, I can put away some food. Because I blame this on my grandma. Man, I'm blaming everybody today. I'm on a roll. You keep hanging out, I might blame you for something. Um, no, but this is the thing. My grandma used to raise us, us grandkids, because that's what a good Mexican family does. You take all the grandkids and drop them off at grandma's house, and she watches them, and she cooks for us. And whatever she put on your plate, you had to finish it. You had to bring her your plate completely wiped clean. And so you always had to have one last little corner of tortilla to go. And grandma says, she would always say the same thing in Spanish. I love that. I barely have to clean the dish. And I'd feel so proud. But now at 50, how many of you know that's not always good? And so, so what's happening is I'm still putting in the same, but I'm not getting the same outcome. My diet hasn't changed, and my destiny is headed not towards the, well, towards the cross. Quick, quick, quick. <laughs> and the doctor's saying something has to change in your diet. And some of you are thinking, that's why I don't like diets. But can I tell you, your diet just simply represents your lifestyle. It says something has to change in your lifestyle if you want great results. Can I tell you? It's the secret place that needs to change for us. That means we need to spend more time in that secret place, cultivating a real, real, real relationship with the king of all glory. And he says he will reward you. Now listen, reward is different. Listen to me very closely. Different from grace. Grace is something we all get when we receive Christ, but a reward is special to those who do what God has called us to do. Grace is, is given as a free gift. A reward is something that is, is, is given because he's incentivizing. What do you mean incentivizing? He's saying when you do uh, uh, the secret place discipline, I will reward you openly. Now, some of us want to see our families go to the next level. What do I mean? We're wondering if we should retire. We're wondering if we should have more children. We're wondering if we should have a bigger house, if we should do this, if we should do that. It's in the secret place that you find out. See, so many times we ask all around, but we never ask God. Some of us want to get out of debt, and we go and ask Dave Ramsey instead of praying in the secret place first and saying, Lord, before I put Dave Ramsey's uh, wisdom into effect, God, get my spirit, my body, and my, and, and my mindset in the right place so that we can do this in your name, Jesus. It's in the secret place that this happens. Can you hear what I'm saying? Now, let me share something else with you. The secret place is not something you can rush in this microwave McDonald's fast food society. Because so many times we show up and we go, I'm here. I'm here, Lord. You're welcome. Isn't that the attitude we come to the secret place with sometimes? Pastor said I had to do it, so I'm here, Lord. You're welcome. Here's my list. By the way, I need this, 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 this. If you could hook it up by lunchtime, I'd be grateful. In fact, I'll thank you ahead of time. Right? 
some lame prayer like that, and then we think that somehow, look, in the secret place, we get lined out. That means we understand that we serve God, not God serving us. Because sometimes we get it mixed up and we get it twisted and think that God is there to serve us as a butler. No, we are sheep of his pasture. It's from his hand that every blessing flows. And I find it interesting because last week I, I, I read to you that Moses was on the mountain with God. In fact, he went to the mountain several times. And uh, on one particular time, the Bible says, you can see it right up here. He goes up to the mountain, God shows up. But he didn't hear God for six days. Can I tell you, when you show up in the secret place, just because you don't hear God doesn't mean he's not there. Let me say that again. When you go to the secret place, just because you don't hear God doesn't mean he's not there. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you could hang out for six days and not hear God? Six is the number of man. So God wanted to take Moses beyond himself. Come on, sometimes God has you wait so that you can get in alignment with him and get beyond yourself and learn that you're on his timetable, not him on your timetable. Come on, that's deep. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, wow. See, but what, what God is doing there is he's having Moses just decompress. Come on, in the secret places when you decompress. We're always so wound up and we need answers yesterday. And God's saying, no, 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 no. If you wait on me, I can catch you up. I can do a uh, hundred years worth of work in one minute. I can give you, listen to this, a thousand hours worth of counseling in five seconds. Oh, come on now. Has anybody ever been there? Oh, I spent a dollar and hour after hour and dollar after dollar in counseling, and then I got alone with God, and God healed me in five seconds. He touched me in that deep part, and he removed the hurt and gave me forgiveness, and I extended forgiveness, and God did what no one else could do because God's awesome like that. But you got to meet with him. Now, now watch. On the seventh day, God shows up to Moses. Now, I wish I, I, could, I could preach on all that, has to ha that happened here, but I just want to make the point that you can't rush the secret place because it's in that place that God starts to reorient your preferences. What do I mean by reorient your preferences? Remember, God says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, right? But what if your desires are wrong? So maybe the Bible verse means, if you put me first, I'll give you what you ought to want. He will give you the desires of your heart, meaning he'll line out your preferences. Because after all, listen to me very closely, our preferences, if we eat our preferences, they can kill us. Come on, how many of us have had to change our preferences because our preferences are killing us? Sometimes our preferences in friends, our preferences in food, our preferences in bad habits. See, and ultimately our preferences, stay with me on this, will block God's purposes. God block God's purpose. You say, what do you mean God's purpose? For I know the plans I have for you. They're God's purpose. There's God's purpose that prevails. 
But our preference has to get out of the way. God has to realign our preferences and give us the desires of our heart. You say, but one of my preferences is I don't really like the secret place. Come on, let's just be honest. It's called apathy. And to be apathetic, it's very simple. It's showing or feeling no interest, enthusiasm, or concern. Can we just be honest with one another right now? Come on, God sees into the secret place anyway. And he already knows you don't really like me that much. Come on, let's be honest. When we were first trying to woo our spouse, gentlemen, we couldn't think of anything else. We couldn't imagine being away from them. We had to call them. I can remember being on the phone with Pastor Melissa and I go, I don't want to hang up. And her father, my, my father-in-law screaming, you better hang up. It's like 25 cents a minute, right? This was back in the day before unlimited plans, right? And, and I go, I just want to hear you breathe. Yeah, I just want to hear you breathe. And we couldn't, I mean, we were so over the top with each other. And I can remember her going, well, we better hang up or my dad's going to come back in here again. And uh, I was at Baylor. She was, she was here at school. And, um, and then she says, well, I can't hang up first. You hang up first. Come on, you've been there. All right, go ahead. One, two, three. You didn't hang up. Well, let's hang up together. Okay, on three. One, two, three. You didn't hang up. Well, you didn't either. I just love you so much. And finally, Lewis comes in. Hang up the phone. You know, and it was over. But, but can I tell you, that's the kind of love we need to get back to. This is what the Bible says. When Jesus speaks to the church in Revelations, he says, get back to your first love. He says, stop being lukewarm to another church. To another church, he says, wake up. Watch. Because apathy leads to, leads to watch this. Uh, wait, I'm, I'm going to go to, to um, atrophy first. Atrophy is the gradual decline in effectiveness or vigor due to the underuse or neglect. That means your body can actually start to die if you don't use it. Your muscles, your tissues, everything starts to break down and become weaker and weaker. And this is why Jesus says to another church in Revelations 3, watch what he says. He says, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to. Families, wake up. The enemy is on your family like a duck on a June bug, like white on rice. He wants to kill your family. Wake up. Strengthen what remains. Get in the secret place. Mix it up with the king of glory. Get some anointing from him. Get some blessing from him. Get some direction from him. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? You're saying, oh, you're just trying to hype me up. Problem with hype and motivation, it doesn't last. I like to tell you this. Neither does a shower, but I'm glad you took one before you got here. You still got to get hyped up a little bit every once in a while. Amen? You got to motivate yourself and say, Lord, I got to get myself back in the secret place and spend some time with you. Because ultimately what God is saying, it's in the secret place that I give you instruction and it leads to obedience. See, obedience is, listen to me very closely is our ability to show God our love. The Bible says, you can say you love me, but if you don't obey me, 
you are a liar, you don't love me. Jesus said, those who love me do what I've commanded. It's in the secret place that God challenges us, reminds us, inspires us, and what anoints us to go be obedient. The problem is we've become an information-rich society. And we forget that the Bible puts the emphasis not just on knowing, but on doing. Watch. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. You have to do what it says, James said. You got to do what it said. Do you realize in the verses that I read last week, I said that in the last days, watch right there. In the last days, times will come. Perilous times will come. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, you know, all the way down to lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now watch, this is verse 7 of that same passage. Watch what verse 7 says. Always learning and never able to come to the what? See, it's one thing to always learn, but never what? Do. The Bible says that's not real faith. Faith that doesn't show up in works is not faith. It's just lip service. We like to put it this way. Talk is? No. Show me you love me. Don't just tell me you love me is what God is saying. Let me, let me put it to you another way, okay? Are you ready? How many of you would find this odd if you go up to a guy, let's say uh, Pat right here, and and. and you go up to Pat and you go, hey, Pat, how's it going with your, with your, with your new, uh, you know, your, your, your fitness program? You're always uh, working on your fitness. How are you doing? He goes, man, it's been about a year. I've really plateaued. What do you mean? Well, like, since the day I started, nothing's changed. I'm like, how's that possible? He's like, I don't know. I don't understand how it's possible either. I'm doing all the right things. You say, okay, well... Explain it to me. He explains it to you. Everything sounds right. You go, let me, I'm going to show up. I'm going to go with you. So you show up six in the morning. Pat welcomes you in. He's dressed from head to toes. The headband, the wristbands. He's got the Nike gear. He's got the, you know, the, the music. I mean, he's got it. Oh, he's got the gym bag. I mean, it looks good. He said, we're going to go to the gym, but first I got to make my shakes. And he gets his supplements out. And he, you know, he's shaking and and you want one? I said, yeah, I'll take one. And he makes you one too. And he puts it there on the counter. And he says, let's go. I go, well, are we going to? No, no, come on. We, we got, the gym is waiting. So you, you're like, this is kind of odd. He made all this stuff and left it there. Didn't take it. Goes to the gym. And then he pulls up a little chair. And he's like, this is my favorite part. Oh, this guy really knows how to work out. Here's a notepad. Take notes. He writes down everything that guy does. And he's just impressed. Oh, this guy, I think he goes to FCM. Yeah, his name's Jamie, I think. <laughs> and he's writing down everything Jamie's doing. And then at the end, he's like, who puts that notepad up? Man, that was awesome. Let's go home. How many of you would be like, I think Pat missed something? Anyone? I think he missed like the most important thing. Don't just know it, huh? Do it. And I think that's what we're doing in Christianity a lot of times. 
You got to get involved. But first, you got to get in the secret place and let God begin to speak to you so that, because watch, listen to me very, very closely. Information by itself does not produce what you want it to produce. Information needs to be coupled with revelation, which happens in the secret place. Then it goes to what? Demonstration and ultimately transformation. Did you get that? Information from the pastor, from the different teaching mechanisms that are available in God's house, and then the revelation of the Holy Spirit in the secret place. Then you go out and you demonstrate it. You actually do it, and that brings the transformation. Can I get an amen? That's what it means to get in shape, but ultimately, and this is where we'll spend most of our time next week, is sacrifice. So you have secret place, S. O is obedience, S, sacrifice. Because what the Bible teaches is a principle that's very, very important. Are you ready? It's called the centrality of death principle. Turn to your neighbor and say, the centrality of death principle. And then your neighbor needs to say, what? Right, what are you talking about? Look, in this day and age, we've tried to skip over the centrality of death principle. Jesus talked about it all the time. He said things like this. You cannot live unless you... You cannot live unless you... This is the difference between Christians and non-Christians. Christians have realized, I'm the problem. I need to die to myself that Christ may live in me. Okay? The centrality of death principle understands that if I want to get to the mountaintop, I must go through the valley. The centrality of death principle is found when Jesus says, unless a seed dies and is buried, it cannot live again. Ultimately indicating that we will die, but those dry bones will start to rattle because he's going to do it again. He's going to raise us from the grave. We're going to have new life. Let me put it to you another way. Jesus said, if you want to be first, you must be, if you want to be served, you must serve. This is, this has been, we've tried to shortcut that. How? Because we say to Christians now, you don't have to go through the valley. I've got a helicopter and I'll just deposit you on the mountaintop. And when you're tired of this mountaintop, I'll take you to the next mountaintop. But no self-respecting mountain climber would go and plant his flag on Everest or any other mountain getting there on a helicopter. No, no, no. Life is meant to be walked out in faith. And peak by peak, valley by valley, you have to experience things that die. And that requires sacrifice. This is why the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, I want to explain something about Romans. Romans is a theological book explaining salvation in theological terms from chapters 1 to chapter 11. And then in chapter 12, he pivots. What do you mean by he pivots? He says, I've explained the mechanics. Now I want to explain to you the practical. 
And in chapter 12, you hear him say, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I urge you in light of this great mercy that I've just explained from start to finish to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So he calls us to sacrifice. Why? Because if you want the fire to fall, it always falls on sacrifice. If you want anointing, it always comes with sacrifice. If you want a mountaintop, it always comes with sacrifice. If you want God to bless your family, it always goes through sacrifice. Watch me. God said to Abraham, I want to bless your family, but then he asked him to sacrifice his son. Because he wants him to understand Abraham, I don't do things the way the world does things because the prince of this world is the devil and I do things according to the kingdom of God. And that's why when you pray in these same passages, these same passages in in Matthew chapter 6, he says, when you pray, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what I need is for you to understand that you're no greater than my son. And if it costs my son his life, it will cost you. That means you will go through sacrifice. Now, this is what I want you to think about. Because there's two types of sacrifice, at least for our discussion here this morning. The one is putting something to death and the other is presenting. Putting something to death is that thing in your life that's holding you back from being who God has called you to be. That means there's a sin, there's a selfishness, there's a, there's something in your flesh that needs to die. And you know what it is, if God is saying to you this morning, the reason why you don't spend time in the secret place, can I tell you something? Most of the time, We don't spend time in the secret place is because we're carrying shame. And the devil says, you don't deserve to spend time with God because you still haven't let go of that thing he asked you to let go of. So many times people come to me and they say, Pastor, I I can't hear the Lord. I can't hear the Lord. I can't hear the Lord. I said, go back to the last thing he told you and do that. There might be something you refuse to do. And that's why he's saying, I don't have to talk anymore. I gave you instructions. Get rid of that. Clean that up. You say, but how do I do it in my own strength? You don't do it in your own strength. You get in the secret place and you say, Lord, right here, right now, I sacrifice this before you. I give it to you. Now stay with me. Stay with me. Are you with me? Don't you dare zone on me in this last point. This connects everything. Because what you do in secret will come out in public. Did you hear me? God says, I will take what you do in secret and reward you in public. Meaning, you cannot live holy in secret and have it not affect your life in public. You cannot live compromised in secret and have it not affect your life in public. You cannot, men, live compromised in secret and have it not affect your children or your spouse or your family. Meaning, if you're secretly addicted to something... Eventually, it will come out in public. You say, but how do I deal with that? You deal with it by the power of the Holy Spirit in the secret place. And you say, Lord, I'm too weak, but you can break any bond. I feel like getting Karen back up here. Let's sing this. 
My God can do anything if you just trust him for it. Anything, if you just trust him for it. Do you hear me, church? So next week, we're going to cover this present and put to death because presenting is what Abraham did. He presented his son. He presented his son, and presenting is not necessarily putting it to death. It's getting it in the right order. Does that make sense? There might be a business that needs to get in the right order. There might be a relationship with your spouse that needs to get in the right order. There might be your children that need to get in the right order. There might be whatever it is that need to get in the right order, but God is going to have you put it on the altar for him. Amen? We'll talk more about that as we go. Now, church, as we finish today, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Say, Spirit of the living God, who sees in secret, just right now in this secret place between me and you, would you speak to me and hear him speak to you? Hear him say, I've missed you. I love you. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Come back to the secret place. That shame that you've been carrying. Come put it to death. Let's nail it to the cross. I just really feel led to say a little bit more about that. If you're carrying hurt, shame, guilt, I want to let you know that the enemy will use that in your life to keep you from God's plan, to keep you from God's blessing. But that's where that That beautiful principle comes in when you can come into the secret place and say, Lord, I just die to myself. I'm sick of carrying this. I give it all to you, all to you. That's why Jesus said things like this. He said, come to me if you're tired, if you're burdened, if you're heavy laden, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, come to me. I'll give you rest. And that happens in the secret place. You get before the Lord and you say, Lord, I've tried to change myself, but I can't. I want to die to myself and I want you to live in me and through me. Come on, I'm speaking to someone here today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you raise your hand if you feel like like this invitation is for you? I see a hand over here and a hand, another hand, another hand. Oh, I see hands all over this room. I just want to pray with you and say, just say something like these words to to our kings. Say, King of glory, Father in heaven, thank you for your love. I receive your love. 
I receive your love. I will not doubt it anymore. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I put my faith and my trust in you. Yes, Lord, from this moment, take full control as I die and you live. And then, Lord, I give you my shame, my guilt, my hurt, my disappointment. And in exchange, I receive your life. I receive confidence. I receive all your goodness. In Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. For Lord, we thank you that it was your body that was broken. And with one voice, we say thank you for your blood that was shed. We are forever changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.